You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. The series is basically this idea of we look in the book of Joshua, and we'll give a little bit more background in a bit, but it, talking about this journey of trust. Uh, and as, as I've been praying and planning, what are some things I feel God is speaking to our church? I think it's this continual journey of trusting him in different ways. And in the following weeks, we're going to be looking at some different themes from Joshua, including how we trust God through um, the context of relationships, uh, through weakness, uh, through our failure. You're like, oh, this is one of those cheery type of sermons series, right? Uh, we're gonna, it's going to be cheery, but we're going to get into some real stuff as well. And uh, so I would encourage you, obviously, come out for those, prepare your heart. You can even read through the book to get ready. But today we're going to begin this by looking at how God leads us in this journey of trusting him through seasons and through moments of change. Through times of change in our life, how do we come to trust God more? And, and just to give a little, um, I guess, insight, if you know me just a little bit, um, I guess if you don't know me, it's your way to get to know me a little more. If you know me, though, and the way, way I look at life, you may have a guess how I view change. And um, because of my wiring, I'm not the biggest fan of maintaining the status quo. That, like, I, I, I love change, um, and I'm always trying to look forward. People call it vision or whatever. I just call it moving ahead, always looking forward. Always asking, how can things change? How can we improve? How can we make it better? In some ways, if you would describe my mentality towards life, often it's been uh, we change or we die. Especially when it comes to churches, we change or we die. And I think that's important. I, I think that's really important because a marker of a healthy society is there should be healthy change. If, if there's not change occurring in healthy ways, something's probably wrong. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think I, I use this illustration often, but often, a lot of times we hear about, you know, we just want things to go back to the good old days. We want things go, to go back to when it was good, when everyone was happy, when everything was great. And I'm like, yeah, there was some good stuff in the past, but there was also like times in our, in our nation's history when that meant I wouldn't have been able to sit to eat lunch with some of you at a counter, right? Because of the color of our skin. I mean, that's some of our past. And there's been good change as we've moved forward from things like that. That's a good thing. Uh, I read this amazing thing recently. It was describing over 100 years ago at the beginning of the 1900s that at that time, and this just boggles my mind, that heroin and morphine were available over the counter at the corner drugstore. That if you just went down to the corner drugstore and you needed it, they would have heroin, morphine, and other goodies. And one pharmacist was even described to have said, heroin clears the complexion. Forget Clarisol, right? Heroin clears the complexion, gives buoyancy to the mind, regulates the stomach and the bowels, and is, in fact, the perfect guardian of health. Things have changed a little bit, <laughs> even, even in our city, right? Things a little bit. Change can be really good. I, I would suggest change is actually a critical component of life you know, for our society, but also for each of us personally. And again, I mean, I'll be totally forthright. For me, change, the idea of it is exciting. I like change. It's exciting. Um, and, and, you know, if we can be honest, probably some of us even here sitting here, when I'm talking about change, you probably find something stirring within your soul a little bit. Like you get excited about that as well. Uh, you hear about change and you start, your adrenaline starts kicking. And, and some of you, you probably live for change. 
You, you exist for change. And if I could be as bold to say this, maybe to an extreme where we would almost describe you're kind of like a change addict. Like you need change. Otherwise, life feels like there's something wrong with it. Like you need a constant change in order to find meaning in life. And, and, and because of that, maybe you've saw, seen in your own life it's been hard for you to find consistency. It's hard for you to be grounded with life situations, maybe even with people. If that's you, um, today maybe I can encourage you to listen in. What's some wisdom that God might be wanting to speak to you to embrace the here and the now? Because for you, maybe the thing you don't need is change. You need to be able to embrace right where you're at and see what God has you there for. But whatever the case, as exciting as change might be, um, and this is a, some of what I want to talk about today. I think it can also bring a whole other set of responses within us. Um, maybe some of us find change exhausting. It's frustrating. Uh, even for some of us who are change kind of junkies, as much as we long for change, um, sometimes there's too much change. And, and we find ourselves trying to do whatever we can to try to avoid change. Um, Change can be disorienting because maybe it feels like I've kind of just figured out how I'm supposed to do this thing called life, how I'm supposed to be with people, and it's like someone's changed all the rules. It's like if you play games with kids, it can be fun, but it can be incredibly frustrating because you think you know the rules, and you're doing really good because I'm like a 40-something, so I can dog these kids, right? And suddenly they tell you, oh, yeah, we changed the rules. We don't do that anymore. I'm like, no, you don't do that. You don't just change up the rules because you're losing, but... It's sometimes life can feel like that, right? Like you've just figured out how to navigate this work thing. Or, or this thing called marriage. Oh, okay, I've got to figure it out now. Or relationships. Oh, yeah, this is how you're supposed to do it. And then things change. And you feel flustered and confounded. And you're like, that, that's not what I prepared myself for. That's not the way it was supposed to be. So in response, and maybe you see this in yourself, some of us, we find ourselves detaching from life because it's just too much to try to process. The change is overwhelming, and we kind of just remove ourselves. I mean, we're physically present because we got to do things like work, eat, but we're kind of detached, whether emotionally, spiritually, relationally, because there's just too much change. It's just too much upheaval to, to manage. And I guess if I can just kind of take a little pause, if, if you're feeling any of that right now and you're, and you're sitting here, um, can, I, can I let you know that I'm right there with you? If you're feeling kind of overwhelmed by change in your life, maybe it's personal or maybe it's just like societal. Like it feels like it's too much. I, I, I feel like I'm there with you. And this is one of those particular sermons where the preparation process, it's good. Um, but it's also kind of hard because it's deeply probing into my own soul because it's forcing me to uncover and dig into some areas that I kind of like to keep reserved far away, but that the Lord is saying, nah, you got to dig into that a little bit. Even though it's a little remote, you got to pull it back in. And, and for some of you aware, particularly this last year has been a real ringer for me. I mean, I've been just a lot of change has gone on in my life. Um, and, and a lot of that change has been associated with loss. And it's been a real, real tough year. For someone like me who loves change, usually, having to wrestle with change and seeing like the flip side of it, that it doesn't always bring positive things, but it can even dig into some of the hard things, it's been really difficult for me. 
But here's the thing. Um, No matter who you are, no matter who I am, no matter who we are, change is inevitable. Whether you like it or whether you hate it, living in this life, change is inevitable. It might look different for every single one of us, but it's going to be there. Change will always be a part of walking this journey. So how does God work in us through this change we experience? So I want to just walk through a few things here. First idea is um, I want to look at how we navigate a changing life. How do we navigate a changing life? And I want to look at Joshua chapter 1 and a few verses in the beginning, uh, starting verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. So we see an introduction to this new leader of Israel, Joshua. And if you would read previously in the Bible before this, there was another leader. His name was Moses. You've probably heard of him because Hollywood's made a lot of movies about this cat, right? Um, Moses was the leader of this people, Israel, who had been rescued from captivity from a nation called Egypt. And they've spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, wandering in the desert, And so many lessons God's taught them. But the one constant was their leader through all of that change was this man Moses. Incredible, wonderful leader that God had placed for the people. So this was a great time of change for Israel. And now Joshua's in place. And here's how I used to read this. When I used to read this portion, because this is probably one of those passages I come back to a lot I used to read this like, okay, Moses is dead, and now say, but where's God taking them now? Like, where's the goal now? Where's the destination? And obviously, that's coming, and that's appropriate. Where's God now sending the people? But now, when I read this, I kind of stop on that part, Moses, my servant, is dead. And I just sit there for a while. Um, Because I'm like, wow, that was like a real traumatic experience for this people that they've spent wandering for 40 years, finally about to enter this promised land that God has said, this is where I'm going to send you. This is where I'm leading. But the man who brought them all the way, he's not even going to cross the border to enter with them. He would die on the other side before they enter. And I think about it. Sometimes we can read the Bible and we can hear about things like death and other things. We're like, oh yeah, it happened. And forget real people's lives are involved here. Think about the trauma involved. Think about the questioning. Think about just the grieving and the mourning and the loss. And what I'm, what I'm trying to say here, it's okay for us to sit for a while and process what's happened here. And if you would read the end of Deuteronomy, the book right before this, the last chapter, it describes Moses' passing. It describes that he died. And, and in, in the Jewish uh, tradition, if there was a period of mourning, they did mourning probably a lot better than we do. They grieved probably a lot better than we do. So if someone died, they would take seven days as a period of mourning. You stop everything. You just cry. You mourn. You remember. You cry out to God. You do it for seven days. But in special cases of particularly um, significant people within the community, they would do it longer. So what we see described in the end of Deuteronomy is they mourned for 30 days for Moses after he died. Before they did anything else, they sat for 30 days. They cried. It says they weep. They cried. For all of the reasons that probably you and I would. 
And, and I think it's okay to remember that because we can read Joshua 1 and think, okay, Moses, he's died. Now let's go on to the next thing. But I think sometimes there's importance in that period of sitting and remembering and grieving, even in loss, in change. So I, I just want to affirm to all of you, this is my belief. I believe God has beautiful experiences of change set out for every single one of you here. You might not believe it. You might, you might think, why is my life the way it is right now then? Um, as I read the scriptures, I believe God has uh, incredible promises for each one of you. And, and that's something to be excited about. I think we should appropriately anticipate that in hope. But I think it's also okay to recognize that for some of that change to happen, there is sometimes going to be an accompanying loss in your life. That for you to experience some of the change that God wants to give into your life, there is probably going to be an accompanying loss coming with that. It's interesting when we look in the Bible and we see throughout, when the Bible talks about transformation, particularly in the New Testament, but throughout, um, when it talks about transformation, it uses this language of new life. You might have even heard it again, right? Certain terminology like being born again, transformation, new life, birth. But correspondingly, it also refers to the death of our old selves. Talks about new life. Also talks about death. A lot of passages, but one, this is not, not up uh, here, but Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is so much talking about life and change, but it's saying that life and change happened through death, through the crucifixion of Christ first, but now in my own life as I identify with Jesus. So even as we experience the fruit and the expression of new life, of change in our journey, there is sometimes going to be an accompanying loss in your life, and I don't want you to get caught off guard. Because you might hear teaching, and I would, I'm, I'm not going to call them heretical, but it might be, um, that might say, follow Jesus and everything's just going to be champagne and roses. Woo! And yet, praise God, sometimes it is. But sometimes your eyes are going to be open to things that you never even were aware of that will break your heart. You're going to be like, God, no one told me this part that I would actually start to care now. And it's hard to sleep. Because we've got to live in this place where things are not fully black and white, but sometimes there's a combination of different things going on at the same time. Um, Again, part of my challenge this past year is my father passed away last fall from cancer, and it it was a good... Uh, long journey into that, so we experienced that for a while. So it's been a whole year of processing through change and loss. And I want to say very clearly here, when my father finally passed from this life into glory, there was a part of me that genuinely celebrated because my theology led me to truly believe in faith that he is sincerely in a better place because of his belief in Jesus Christ. As far as I could see, there was a genuine salvation experience where he knew Jesus, he followed Christ, he was God's son now, he had walked with God faithfully as I could be aware his whole life. So where his body was ravaged with this cancer and went from this beast of a man to this shriveled man by the end, for me there was a sense of praising God because, wow! There's change now. There's, there's a reason we call it entering glory. He is now resting in eternity. He doesn't have to fight anymore. He's there. 
I fully affirm that, fully believe that. But at the same time, that didn't lessen the experience of loss that we feel on this side with that change. Very much both happening at the same time. Extreme praise and celebration, but at the same time, deep sorrow, deep grief, deep mourning, deep loss, and both walking hand in hand. And for me to realize, I mean, this, I don't know how deep it sounds to you, but for me, this was pretty deep. For my father to be able to fully realize the fruit of all this life he had been living, it had to happen with this human body, this casing, having to perish. So it's not an either or, it's both. Great gain and change for him ended up as loss for us. And I had, you know, I I received some professional help through all that process because I just was not handling it well. How do you process change? And, um, you know, whereas I always used to look at change through a very positive lens, this is only good. I think for the first time in my life, I really started to see the cost of change, that any good change usually is accompanied by some kind of loss, even if we're not fully aware of it at the time. And, and the person I was walking with, he, he, he said this in passing, but it's just stuck with me. He said, yeah, Dan, things change. You're getting old? I'm like, oh, well, okay, yeah. It's like, your body's changing? Doesn't matter how much you want something, your body is changing? You can't keep up like you used to? And he mentioned this for today. He's like, and you know, it's, it's like your kids where they're growing up so fast now. That time when they just used to sit on your lap and desire nothing but to sit there and giggle, that's probably gone now. And I just like, wrong waterworks. I was like, what the heck's going on? And it was this realization. um, I love the young women they're becoming. I celebrate how they're growing into beautiful young women who love God in so many ways and just sharp, wonderful, uh, just funny, all these things. I love it. But for that to happen... That little chunky, flabby baby is cute. That's gone. It's gone. And I just couldn't bear that. I I was like shaking. I was like, that can't be. Facebook memories are good, but it's different. And you can ask my wife. I would spend there just old pictures just looking at it. Wow, look how many folds there were. So cute. I I was like probably their superhero at that time. Wow. And you realize that that's, that's gone, but because they're developing and changing into what they're supposed to. Because as much as I have this nostalgia of when they were like those cute little babies, if they're like that for 30 years, something's wrong. If they're still 25 years old and they got their own kids and they're sitting in my lap going, goo, goo, ga, ga, something's very wrong. They need to change. They need to develop. They need to continue to grow into all that God would have them be and to change. But with that change, there's loss. Probably for more for this pitiful dad than anyone else. There's loss. I'm in the middle of doing a, we're doing a wedding here at the church later and just doing a rehearsal. Every wedding I do more and more, I'm like, I just can't help but think about my girls when they get married one day. I'm like, I am not going to be able to do that. When I walk them down the aisle, I think I'm just going to be staring at the guy for like two minutes not letting them go, saying, all right, give me a little more time. I might join you up on the stage. (laughs) Change is good, but there's also loss. 
there's some pain. And I think part, part of navigating change for us is to acknowledge some of the loss and, and even maybe some of the possible pain that is there. And I, I kind of just take a little pause here. If any of you are in the room right now, maybe you're experiencing some of that change in your life and it does feel kind of daunting and you're experiencing that. Maybe it's something you chose. Maybe it's something that was put upon you. Can I just pause for a moment and remind you and, and speak to you and, and let you know God sees the pain that you have. God recognizes the pain and frustration and the confusion you might be sitting in right now. He might, or he knows the fear that you might be walking in. He loves you. He loves you. So I think it's critical for us to re, um, be real about all this, not because we're sadists who revel in pain, but I think what often happens, in my observation at least, is that people and groups and even churches, sometimes um, the reason we're not able to experience change in healthy ways is because we haven't really processed the loss and the pain involved. We're like, go, go, go with change, but we haven't really sat and counted the cost of what are some of the things we're losing and grieved it. And for us, I want us to do that well. I want us to navigate change as a people, but even as a church, in emotionally and spiritually healthy ways. So what that means, I want to welcome you to, to know this. It's okay to grieve the loss that comes with change. It's okay to be thinking about and celebrating all the wonderful things, partners in the church who've been here and uh, and celebrate all that, but it's also okay to shed some tears at the thought that they're leaving and we're sending out. And again, it's not like halfway around the world, but there is something, there's, there is a loss. And it's okay when you're feeling, why am I feeling like this? It's okay to feel that because it's okay to grieve that sense of loss, even though you know something really good is happening. Because we do so even with the hope of where God is leading us. Because we have to remember, even with the loss, there's a purpose for the loss. Even with the pain, there's a reason for the pain, is that we remember change is essential as we follow God in this journey. Uh, One passage from Isaiah chapter 43, it says uh, in verse 18, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs 